Imagine a football platform where the world's best writers give you the real story about what's going on at United. Imagine no pop-up ads, no clickbait headlines and no ridiculous rumours to be let down by anymore. You don't have to imagine anymore. Meet The Athletic. No ads, no nonsense, just football. Visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash United We Stand to start your 30-day free trial and get 50% off your annual subscription. The Athletic, the new home. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm speaking having just seen that Liverpool have become the champions of England for the first time in 30 years. Can you not just hear the enthusiasm in my voice? I'm delighted to be joined by United We Stand regular John Ashton. John, thanks for joining us on this not so momentous evening. No problem, Andy. Good to be here, mate. Um, I'm I'm kind of regretting uh, having to delay doing the pod with you. I know you asked me to do it a bit a few hours ago, so um, obviously I was a little bit busy to be earlier on today. So uh, I'm regretting it now because I might not have to uh, talk about what we're about to talk about. All right, this is the elephant in the room. Liverpool have won the league. How do you, <laughs> how do you feel right now? Because I'll tell you how I feel. I've just watched most of that game with Manchester City, and my overriding emotion was. I'm a bit annoyed that uh, Chelsea won because I'm thinking for Manchester United getting in the Champions League next year and probably I've already reconciled myself long ago to the fact that Liverpool were going to win the league this year. So probably for the first time in my life, I wanted City to score because I yeah, feel... Yeah, no, feel I, that, 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 I completely agree with you, mate. Yeah, it's, it's, um, the teams are winning. The teams in 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th have not picked up a lot of points this year. But since they've come back, they're winning, and that worries me a little bit. Wolves worries me a little bit. But anyway, what do you think about Liverpool? Yeah, listen, it's been coming on it. You know, we've known it was coming for a few weeks. I agree with you completely with what you've just said about um, wanting City to win tonight for for two reasons. Obviously, you want to delay their title party as long as you possibly could do. Um, on another boot, it's going to be quite funny seeing them uh, give them a, a, a you know, a, a devation or whatever they, whatever they call it these days when they're walking on the pitch. Um, but yeah, it, more from a United perspective, obviously it, it was one fixture you look at where, you know, United could make some genuine ground over Chelsea this weekend. Obviously, we're in great form at the minute. Um, but like you said, you know, Wolves are right on our tails. Chelsea have come back quite well as well, and um, Leicester have still got quite a bit of a start on us. So yeah, it, listen, Liverpool were always going to win the league. Um, I'm nearly 40 years old, and it's the first time I'm old enough to remember it. So, it's not going to, you know, you know, we'd have took that, wouldn't we? You know, if, if they have to go another 30 years without winning one, we'll take one. And in fairness, you know, if if they they have deserved to win the league, you know, a lot a lot of fans wanted it stopping. They wanted the league stopping for obvious reasons, but you know, you never heard the end of it. So, if they are going to win the league, you want them to win it the way they've done it in the shittiest possible circumstances. We know fans there on a Thursday night in June with a. You know, it'll always be a, a title with a big asterisk at the side of it, won't it? So, yeah, um, never wanted to see this day, but we'll, we'll, we'll get over it. Well, can handle once every 30 years. I mean, they've come close well, in exactly, recent mate, years, yeah. but they, they've slipped up a, a few times. And Manchester United have won 13 league titles since Liverpool last won the league. I'm a bit older than you. I can remember it last time. And I can remember growing up in the 80s, genuinely thinking that Liverpool won league titles and Manchester United didn't. And now... Manchester United have been champions of England 20 times and Liverpool 19 times. I, I would never, ever have predicted that in the 1980s and, and throughout most of the 1990s. So that just shows how good Manchester United have been, although they've not won the league now 
since 2013. And as you say, Liverpool have been the best team this year. They're 37 points ahead of Manchester United. And we'll come on to the Sheffield United game, but that's a massive gap, that. It's a huge gap, Andy, and and the, the... You know, the more pressing um, thing has to be, it's all right to sit there and say, you, you know, you take one every 30 years, but you look at the current age of that Liverpool set-up and, you know, that's not a team that's going to go away quickly. It's not going to be a flash in a pan. They are going to be up there again next year. It's up to United to, you know, to, to set that as a... You know, Ferguson always used to say that, you know, someone had, had set him a challenge and, and they'd rise to it. And I think United have to do that. You know, you can't get away next year with... You know, you look at City against United, for all their talent... If they can't defend, which you know the defending was to their two goals tonight was absolutely shocking. You, you know you, you've got to be right on it. You can't afford to be dropping points left, right, and centre. So um, with the way modern football is nowadays, the top sides, you know, the hundred points is is not going to be um, a one-off anymore. You know you're going to see it quite regularly. You've got to go into every game and win every game. And obviously it's pleasing that United are in a little bit of form. But yeah, you, you've listen. You've got to just hold your hands up and say they have deserved to win the league this year. Um, as much as it sticks in your throat to say it but it's important to make sure that it doesn't become a, another 80s scenario where they are winning league after league and, and United aren't the great teams but I, I noticed I noticed sorry I noticed tonight that it was um, a mate of yours that helped uh, help finish it off as well uh, it was a lovely goal by Pulisic but um, terrible defending I, mean, I wouldn't say he's like my best mate or anything like that but <laughs> <laughs> I did um, I did I did meet him and his father when he was 14 years old as a, a young American kid and uh, I'm, I'm basically friends with his with his agent and I've followed his career very very closely so I saw all the excitement when they moved to Dortmund when he got into Dortmund's first team and then I was writing stories regularly when he was being linked to clubs in England uh, and after one game when United had played at Spurs that last ever game at White Hart Lane uh, it was quite interesting sitting there with his agent and seeing some of the people inquiring about him. And I, I I'm not going to say who, but uh, wasn't Manchester United. But I was there thinking, as a journalist, guy, if I wrote, if I could write this now, it's back page news. <laughs> but but I couldn't. And then a couple of years later, he moved to Chelsea. Uh, I don't think he wanted to join Jose Mourinho's Manchester United. I don't think it was a time where. United were playing particularly well and he moved to London. I did a big interview with him for the cover of 4-4-2 at the start of this season. He's had injuries, he's not played a lot of games, but he's had a, still had a good season. He's scored a lot of goals for the amount of games he's played. You can definitely see he's got something about he him. It, it was a terrible uh, it was a terrible um, bit of defending, but he, he took the goal very well. And he scored a few quite important goals for him, hasn't he, this year? You know, he's got an eye for goal and... Um, Sort of took a little bit of the mantle that um, Hazard had left. So yeah. yeah, I think I think he's going to be a good player for them. Um, he's always stressed to me that him, could have done with him not doing it tonight. But no, I know it was always stressed to me that uh, he's not a Hazard player, and people were saying this is the guy who's replacing Hazard, and it was like I'm nothing like him. But people don't people weren't watching him every week in Dortmund to, to form that opinion. They just thought, oh, Hazard's going. He plays in a roughly similar position. He's going to be the same as him. Yeah, sure. It's absolutely nothing like that. But when when um, Christian moved to England as a eight year old for a year with his family, the first ground he went to was Old Trafford, and he got a Manchester United shirt. And there's a, there was a picture of him outside Old Trafford, and that found its way onto the internet with people saying, look, he's a United fan, and he wasn't. He, he just Old Trafford was the first ground that, that he went to. I can't say that I'm delighted he's doing well because I don't want Chelsea to finish fourth. But then again, if City's ban is upheld, fifth will be good enough. And 
it's important that United get in the Champions League, isn't it? It's massively important, Andy. I mean, listen, you, you don't want to be relying on, obviously, City's ban being upheld to finish fifth, but you want to make sure you try and get in that top four. But, um, you know, if you can get in by any any... any way, shape or form, then you're obviously you're going to take it. But, I mean, going back to the Chelsea point as well, they've already made two very, very good signings as well for next season. So, you know, they've already set their bar quite high. So, yeah, um, it, what, what it's going to give United, of course, is that you've got a bit more leverage in the transfer market, haven't you? If you do get into the Champions League, you know, you know, would Pogba want to stay? You know, would all these players we're supposedly after Sancho's be more interested if we've got Champions League football? Would there be more money to spend? So, it, it's massive. It is absolutely massive. I know that a lot of fans will say they're not really that bothered if you know, as long as you, you've got a few European trips away somewhere. But um, I think as far as the club and in terms of progression goes, then that top four, uh, you, you know, you don't want to become an Arsenal, but getting in that top four is is vital if you want to push on. And there is another way of getting in there into the Champions League, which is the 2017 route, which is winning the Europa League. That's The finals are going to take place in four German cities in August, Dusseldorf, Cologne, Duisburg and Gelsenkirchen. Uh, two of them are good cities, two of them are not. <laughs> really not. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave you to guess which two, two are not. But I'm quite, I actually quite like the idea of this tournament in Germany in August. At the moment, it's not looking like fans are going to be able to, to go there. And of course, Lask could win 6-0 at Old Trafford, but you know, that, that's never going to sure. happen. But the, the, there's still good teams left in the Europa League, and it was brilliant how Mourinho targeted it in 2017 and took a really calculated risk, which, which paid off for him. But if you look at the team still in it, well, Wolves are still in it, aren't they? So they're a, they're a difficult team. Yeah, I mean they'd be the last one. They'd be the last ones you want to face. Just not not just so much for how difficult they are to beat, just for how dull the games are against yeah. them. But no, you're dead right. I mean, you're talking. You're literally if you, if you take Lask as a you know a, a gimme, you're talking about your three games away from the Champions League and, and another trophy. So yeah, I mean that that's something to properly look forward to. And I mean I already know of a few United fans already looking at booking trips over there and whatnot, whether they can you know get into grounds or not. It's looking like like they will be played behind uh, behind closed doors, but. Yeah, it's a shame, and, and the, the thing is as well, you don't know if there's ever going to be some sort of um, some sort of tournament a lot of that manner going forward. You know, if you know, you think of it as it's sort of a, a mini World Cup, but for clubs, um, you you wonder whether UEFA would uh, would ever look into something like that in the future if they ever fancy mixing up things in the Champions League. Because obviously they're always, you know, they're always going to be looking at ways of freshening tournaments up. So it, it's it's going to be an interesting one. It's going to be an interesting tournament. I think it's going to going to benefit English clubs in a sense that you know our seasons literally ends and then goes straight into that tournament you know you look at like Germany's obviously and it's, it's probably bad from a Champions League perspective because you'd probably say City and Bayern are the two sides you'd really fancy but Bayern Munich are not going to have any football now for a month but yeah for, from our perspective it'd be nice to go into after you know securing top four hopefully winning the FA Cup and then going to uh, going to Germany to, to add that to a collection. We'll come on to the FA Cup because the next game is a, a Norwich team who can't get a win together uh, at the moment. The team's still in the Europa League. I'm just looking through them now. Istanbul or Copenhagen, uh, Wolves, Olympiakos. Leverkusen beat Rangers away. So Leverkusen, that, that's 30 minutes down the road from some of the venues where the finals yeah. will be. Wolfsburg as well, although they lost at home to, to Shakhtar. Then you've got Inter Milan, Hetafe. Hetafe are a decent side. Sevilla, who've won this competition more than any others, Roma, um, and then I would have said Eintracht Frankfurt, but they lost against Baal at home in the first leg, so 
Manchester United old bar. Yeah, of course. I mean, if United were in the Champions League, if United were in the Champions League and those were your options, you'd draw. You know, you'd be you'd be jumping at the bit to draw one of those teams, wouldn't you? You know, they are teams that you should be thinking about beating. But yeah, I mean, one-off ties in Germany if against the German side might be difficult. But yeah, I mean, it's it's listen, you Manchester United, you probably shouldn't even be in that competition. So you right, we're rightly our favourites. We're in a bit of form. So yeah, I I think Manchester United would be disappointed if we don't go there and win the trophy. And then finally on Liverpool, I know they're better at the moment. Well, they're, they're the English champions, they're the European champions, and they're, and they're the world champions. But in the two games this season, I thought United settled very well against them at Old Trafford in October. And they were five minutes away from getting a win. And then the game at Anfield, uh, United didn't play that badly. And I would really fancy United now, not, not to win, I'm not stupid. Liverpool are still, still the better team, but the gap is closing it's not a 37 point gap is it you'd like to no, think that United ab- absolutely. Can, can put a title challenge in absolutely no chance I mean it's, it is literally a bit of a cliche but he has been a sort of well I wouldn't say of two halves but certainly since um, the you know the arrival of Fernandez, it's well documented how, how good he's been but it, if you look at the current United side I mean I think it's the last is it 13 unbeaten now um, they've only conceded three goals in them games and all all three of them goals as well were goalkeeper cock-ups as well so um, they're the only goals conceded against us. The scoring goals are playing good football. United are not a million miles away, which I think is important to get this Champions League football um, for next season secured and get them extra two or three players in that will massively make a difference. You know, if you can get a right-sided player in, maybe a left back. I don't know. I don't know what positions the manager's prioritising at the minute. But the, the, this cautious optimism. I mean, how many false dawns have we had? Post Ferguson, you know, we, we thought Van Gaal was getting it right at one point. One point uh, you know, first Mourinho season was encouraging. So we, we, it's cautious optimism, I think, at the minute. But for me, I'm more impressed with this current United setup than I have been at any point post-Ferguson. And I think it's probably the same for most fans. You mentioned De Gea and you mentioned the mistakes. Would you have him next season as Manchester United's goalkeeper? I would give him one more year. I think I think what he's, what he's achieved for United, what he's done for United, I think warrants it. I mean, getting rid of him might be the hardest part as well. It's all right, people saying cashing in on him, but you know he's going to want to pay eighty million pound and, and three hundred grand a week for him at the minute. Nobody, you know, he's stock. Absolutely, he's stock. I mean, nobody. He's, there we go. I mean, you'll know you'll know better than anyone, but his stock isn't particularly high in his own country. No, it's not. Um, let alone, any, let alone anywhere else. Yeah. Of course, it is, and 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 you know many attributes. You know, the the, the poor World Cup to his form now, so. I I think he's I think he warrants one more year. I think I'd send Henderson out back on loan for another year as well because I don't think there's any chance in hell he's going to want to come back as a number two. I don't think it would even work as in there. You know, it's he, he's going to he's got a too big a personality. I think hasn't he from from what you're hearing? Yeah. He's going to have to come back as a number one. Um. So yeah, for me, you get you get another year. But as he's proven, if you can get your your back four sorted anyway, and you can you know protect your defence a little bit. Um, his mistakes haven't been particularly costly in that period, so um, yeah, one point, give, give him another year because one point Eric Steele made to us, sorry, is is in January is that, um, he thought that Henderson should come back and fight for the first team spot with De Gea, and he said when he was Manchester United's goalkeeper and coach that he had different goalkeepers pushing Edwin van der Sar and. I like the idea of it, but 
the reality was that Van der Sar was the number one and those other goalkeepers didn't really play that yeah, much. Yeah, you, you say that. I can't think of many examples where rotating goalkeepers or goalkeepers having fighting for positions is beneficial to your club you know you think back to the post sort of Schmeichel days and we was always having this you know one week it was Tim Howard and then it's whoever else was coming in and Roy Carroll was there for a period it, it doesn't it doesn't work for, for me what works well as a goalkeeping um uh, sort of partnership there is he's having an out established number one and a solid number two who's happy to come in like Romero is like Van der Gaal so yeah, I, I don't think that you know bringing in an extra goalkeeper to fight for a position has ever been beneficial for anyone. So for me, leave him out um, wherever he is, Sheffield United. Uh, let him progress for another year. Give De Gea that extra year. You know, maybe even build his own stock back up. So you possibly possibly could sell him on because at the minute, like I said, I think we'd be lumbered with him. And I just don't see any any benefit to having De Gea, Henderson, and Romero all at the club next season. I don't think it's needed. And um, like I said, I think it would. Uh, so many clashes of personalities and whatnot, I think, there at the minute. We should say good luck to Kieran O'Hara, who's one of the other young goalkeepers at United. He's been there since he's a kid and he spent this season at Burton Albion in the in the second in the League One. And he got let go today along with um Aidan Barlow, Cameron Borthwick Jackson, um Fodgy Tech, Effen Hamilton, Dion McGee, Demi Mitchell, who played a couple of times for the first team. Demi's from Old Trafford, so realised a dream of playing at Old Trafford. Uh, Ramazani, slight surprise there, but he'd asked for, I'm told he was, he'd was. asked for uh, more money than, than was offered. And George Tanner, so, you know, they, they, they've had a, a good shot at making it at United, if not in the first team, but someone has to make well, the decision. United have... United have got a fantastic record over the track. You know, if you, if you looked up and down the divisions about how many players and where they, you know, first come through the ranks at, I bet United would be right up at the top of the list, you know, for creating professional footballers. So I'm pretty sure that they've had a good education. They'll move on to, um, to, to have good careers. But listen, if you can get one youth player every two years out of your youth system, you, you're doing quite well, you know, especially at the top clubs. You know, how many, how many get through at Chelsea, how many get through at City? So, you know, we've, we've done reasonably well, haven't we, in the last couple of years for, for young players. And obviously there's a, there's a new batch of a more exciting bunch that are coming through as well. So, you know, you've got to make space for them. So that's just, just the way football is, unfortunately. The Sheffield United game at Old Trafford, that was the first time that fanzines were not on sale at Old Trafford for over 30 years. What was it like for you? I mean, you, you go to all the games at home. What was it like watching it on TV? It was a bit of a surreal experience, wasn't it? We've kind of come to terms with it. I think having the, the first game away was was, um, was helpful. It's not so much bothered me with United because I've not really paid it much much attention in terms of these, you know, they've got fan noise and everything else on over here, but it's more where I've struggled watching a match is watching games as a neutral, which I'm not really great at in the first place, but to watch, like, for example, tonight when a game I wasn't really that bothered about, and it just, you know, it looks like training exercises, doesn't it? But, yeah, you've just got to try and look past it and look into the performance of the way the team are playing, and obviously it's been it's been great, especially against the Sheffield United game, you know, how well the team's played, so... Um, it's not the same, Andy. Of course, it's not the same. It's never. It's not going to be while they're there. While there's no one there, sorry. Um, but you know, it's, you've got to get on with it and think to yourself, you know. Did you know that your internet service provider can see every single website that you've ever visited? That's why 
even at home, people never go online without using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites that you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, people don't even realize ExpressVPN is on. It runs seamlessly in the background and is easy to use. All you have to do is tap on one button and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. ExpressVPN.com slash United. If you go there, you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's EXPRESSVPN.com forward slash United. ExpressVPN.com forward slash United. Go there to learn more. It is, is shit football better than no football? Um, and it just about gets the nod, I think. But it, it's all it's all kind of a means to an end, isn't it? So we can so we can all get back to playing some proper football and we can get the fans in there. Uh, and as the banner did say this weekend, football is nothing without fans. And, and you can you can even see it with the players. You know the the, the celebrations and stuff. The way they scored, they're not obviously um, thrilled about it themselves, but. You've just you've just got to get on with it, mate. There's more important things in the world at the minute than people going to a football game. You know, there's people dying, and football isn't a a life and death matter. And you know, obviously the the pandemic has been. So I think most of us have just you know took it on the chin and and just been grateful that not many of us have had you know many many of our family or relatives affected by this. So you just got to get on with it, haven't you? We could pretend we're doing this in a car park outside Old Trafford after the game with a couple of, what was it, pigeons shagging him during one of the podcasts. We've seen all sorts of animals going on in there, mate, yeah. Um, we could write a, I could write a book or just do a podcast on the sights we can see, let alone uh, the match we've just watched. But yeah, um, it's quite quite an unusual, surreal experience having to do it the way we've been doing them lately. You get some brilliant characters at Old Trafford, don't you? I remember once there was a guy, going back a while now, and he was... Uh, He's a proper United fan, but we, we called him Tony the Tramp. And um, he was a big United fan. And we, we put a thing in United We Stand, a picture of Tony saying, uh, Sooness, who was Liverpool's manager at the time, in the year 2000. So this is like the mid-90s. And uh, we got a, a legal letter a few weeks later um, from the solicitor of Tony and saying, uh, my client takes grave offence uh, to being compared to the manager of Liverpool Football Club, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think he lived over over Ch- Charlton Way. If anyone knows him, he's a very distinctive figure. Um, please well, say hello to him. Happy memories of Tony walking up and down the Warwick Road. <laughs> well, I still remember. I still remember the first game I ever saw. So obviously, normally, I used to go into the match. You spend it in a pub. You get there five minutes before the game and whatnot. So you don't see some of the sights. Or certainly that the crowd certainly changes from when I get there at twelve o'clock to what the sort that get there at three o'clock. And, and and I always remember you telling me before the game that you see some sights. And the first, literally, the first person I saw from getting to my post was a guy who'd got out of a taxi and he was head to toe in this suit. And the suit was a the. Um, piano keys all the way down it <laughs> and I'm thinking you know what I mean who gets up in a match you know you go for it what jeans Adidas trainers no I'll go with a piano suit today and so, yeah since then God it, it, like I said it, for, if you get there at 12 o'clock you see all kind of sites the, 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 the main fanzine sellers the local lads are all 10 to 3 but yeah God if you get there at 12 o'clock you don't have to see some sites and 
it's it's one of the fun things about selling a mag to be honest Andy that's you, you know you, a lot of people get a bit fed up with this sort of tourist aspect don't they of what, what you see at Old Trafford but it, it really is such a broad church of people that you see there every day and like I said if you didn't laugh it'd, uh, it'd drive you mental Talking about figures on Warwick Road, I should mention Twinney. Uh, he passed away this week at the age of 42. Um, very sad to hear that, George. You, I know you're a big fan of fanzines, but all the fanzines, it was always nice to see you around the world where Manchester United uh, played. Uh, rest in peace, lad. And from that, um, we'll still talk about the Sheffield United game because we've basically talked about Anthony Martial and, and that's it. <laughs> Who else um, did well for you? People are talking about Fernandes and Pogba, the way they the way they linked up. Yeah, listen, they're, they're the standout players, aren't they? I mean, everyone's been talking about, you know, whether they could play together. And, you know, without trying to make out like I'm, you know, some oracle of football, because most definitely not. One of my favourite things about Solskjaer is that he doesn't do those baffling things that used to, you know, by the way, Mourinho or Van Gaal was there. You know, why are you playing him? Why are you persisting with this player? Why are you going with this formation? Why are you doing this, doing that? So I, I've been saying for a while that when people are going about playing Pogba and Fernandez, um, I could understand why they don't play away at Tottenham. But you only play sides of Tottenham's calibre. You know, once a month, your bread and butter is against teams that are lesser than that, and you and you need two sort of players like. Pogba and Fernandez to break those sort of teams down, and that's what we've really missed. It's it's all right being very good on a counter attack or you know, being set pieces or whatnot. But you, you, you need, when you've got two, two banks of four sat in front of you, you need players who are clever like that. And, and that's one thing I think Solskjaer has learned to do. He's, he's, Tottenham, he's gone with the legs, hasn't he? Of, of McTominay and Fred with, with one of those players. Whereas this one, he's gone, you know, we'll get Matic sitting there and then you two go and do the creating. So he, it's one thing I really do like about him. He does keep it quite simple. You don't ever come away from the ground thinking, you know, scratching your head about his tactical decisions and things like that so so yeah those two are very impressive Fernandez in particular I mean you don't want to get too carried away what's he played 10 games but I've not seen a midfielder with such consistency where he's the best player on the park every single week probably since the days of sort of Keane in his pump so I think you know he's getting a lot of praise but but rightly so he's he has absolutely you know transformed this this side from being an average sort of top six side into one that's now battling for the top three, and I think that's that's what that's what world class players do. You know, you can you can have seven or eight grafters in your side, but if you, if you can just get them two, three, four real top draw players, and you know you've got a great chance. So, um, but other than that, I thought Wan-Bissaka looked really good at right back. Uh, he obviously did really well for the first goal. Uh, Maguire and Lindelof looked very solid, but obviously didn't have a great deal to do. But it was just a good all round team performance. And, it, it was controlled, wasn't it? You know, we, you could tell we were a slightly fitter team, I thought. Sheffield um, United obviously had, a, had an extra game and things, don't they? But, no, very, very pleasing. Um, and, and even then, when he's brought the subs on, you know, there's five strong subs there as well for him to choose from, uh, which, you know, he's, he's going to play a part. Obviously, you're playing Tuesday, Tuesday, Saturday every week for, for the next sort of five or six weeks. So, yeah, really, really pleasing from everybody. Nobody really let the team down at all. Of all the United We Stand writers, you stuck up for Solskjaer pretty much more than anyone in those darkest hours, which would be not last season, his first season, because it didn't really build against him then. I'd say October after the defeat at Newcastle and then January 
uh, after the Burnley game at Old Trafford. That's the last time United were defeated. But I remember vividly going to his hometown in Christiansund at the end of September and spending time with a couple of his best friends, um, his former manager, guy who's Christian, who's manager of the town's football team, who were in the Norwegian top division and going to his house and it came out a few days before that defeat at Newcastle and the timing was absolutely terrible. It was the, the comments underneath it when I said that I'm in Christiansund, Ollie's hometown. Twitter is always like this anyway, but it was, he'll be back there soon, he'll be back by Christmas. <laughs> uh, and I put a picture of the sun going down and quite a few people saying, yeah, it's going down on his United career. And it was pretty hard to find people on Twitter, and I don't think that's an accurate barometer by any stretch, because when we did a poll when things were pretty bad on United We Stand, 85% fans still said we should stick with him. And there would have been other areas of the internet where it would have been absolutely nothing like that. But I did laugh at a few of the comments uh, after the Sheffield United game, one from, from JB... Uh, I think you know him, um, and he he said that. What did he say? Yeah, I'm one of the people who who doubted Ollie, and I've got to hold my hands up and say, yeah, I was a fucking cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah, find well... you. Just gonna find the exact tweet because um, you know Manchester United are still fifth. Here he is. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's Bealey. Uh, Bealey, I'm yeah, I know Bealey well. Yeah, yeah I thought you did. Well. Yeah. I was one of them gobshites that had had enough of King Ollie at Christmas. There's no place to hide on the internet. You've just got to hold your hands up and admit that you're a cabbage, <laughs> which made me laugh. Well, fair play to him, yeah, because I bet a lot of people won't admit that. You know, the people say, oh, well, I was always on his side in the first place. I, th- I think I touched on it a bit earlier, what we were saying, that the thing I liked about him most is, to, you know, listen, obviously he's always going to be a club legend and, you know, you're going to keep him to heart, but there's, there's not really much room for sentiment. But what I could see what he was doing from a, from an early point of view was... Getting back playing the right way that United should be playing. Um, he was obviously, it was pretty clear that he was getting getting bad eggs out of the club as well. And that's another thing he's been criticised for. You know, why didn't you buy a striker? But I thought in the interview he did with, his, with yourself and a maggot, he summed it up to perfection on something I'd been saying all, all some season on the podcast that I think he was doing, that he'd rather have a hole in the squad than an arsehole in there. And I think it's totally true because you've got to get them bad people out of the club, whether, you know, you can replace them or not. Because, you know, they're just, just upsetting the entire the, the entire squad, aren't they? You know, the morale of the dressing room and whatnot. So I think that's what he's done. And what you can see now is that it doesn't take that much of a difference. If you can get one or two of the right players in to replace the players that you've got rid of, um, and get them in playing the right way, and you know he's got he's got players there now who they look like they crawl over broken glass to play for Manchester United, and that's what you want. Not not players who look like they're doing us a favour by being here. So I think it was always going to take time, um, but then on top of that, you know people will say, oh, you know he might be always be happy, he might be cheerful, but you look at the results he's got this year. He's beat City three times, he's beat Chelsea three times. You know he's gets results at Tottenham. He's, he, you can't even sit there and say that these results are flukes. What's really let him down is games against, like, for example, last night, previously, maybe if he'd not had Bruno Fernandes, maybe if he had a, an injured Paul Pogba, you might have struggled to break them down. But this is the difference now. He's got the tactical know-how to be able to go to City, Chelsea. Yeah, so he's, he's had the tactical know-how to go to places like... Um, you know, he, he, we beat City three times. He beat Chelsea three times. He's got to Tottenham and get results. So people have to start giving him some credit. You know, now he's now he's got these players in 
that can break down the poor sides, um, which is where obviously we've dropped so many points. And we've obviously got a great chance now going forward. So, yeah, I've always been behind him. It's not just because of the old uh, the sentimental reasons. I just think he's doing things the right way, um, giving youth, youth a chance, playing positive football. So if you can do that with a club le- legend in charge, brilliant. You know, it's often a bit of a you know a bit of a cliche about getting the club, but I do think it genuinely matters. I think you will get the fans on side if you play in a certain way, and uh, I think that's what he's what he's tuned into. And the players that he didn't want, he's moved them on successfully and he's quite adamant that he's made the right decision there. But there are also a couple of players who've stayed, Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial, both of whom have wanted to leave at various points in the last couple of seasons. And if they've got the hump, they could have been a problem in that dressing room because Pogba's the main man in that dressing room and Martial completely looks up to him and Jesse Lingard completely looks up to him as well. But if you've got Martial playing well, smiling and... Every image on the television during the Sheffield United game was in beaming. Even when he came off and sat in the stands, he was really happy. And if you got Pogba playing, and maybe Pogba being away from the team is not a bad thing because he's thought, actually, they, they don't need me. They can win without me. They can win the best, most difficult matches without me. And maybe he's looked and thought, Bruno Fernandes is a great player. If I can play well with him, add into that the fact that the economy of football has changed and you're not going to have a queue of suitors for him because they're not going to have as much money as they did have. Manchester United are in no rush to to sell Paul Pogba. And the circumstances might be playing towards Manchester United keeping him, keeping Martial as well. I think that's going to happen anyway. So players who were unhappy, suddenly they're playing in a winning team rather than one which has won four games in the first four months of the season. And the whole aspect on it changes. Well, I mean, firstly, you're going to have to look at the transfer market this summer anyway. You know, nobody knows what that's going to be like and what the sort of economic impact's going to be on every club. So you're deadly right. If, if you know, if Pogba was eyeing an exit this summer, um, things might have changed now anyway. Um, you know, he may not even want to go now that things are, uh, are picking up on the pitch. You know, I, I do have a degree of sympathy with him in a sense that, you know, he's come... You know, expecting this big revol- to revolutionise United and take United back to the top, and it, and it hasn't really happened. You know, Mourinho was obviously did his usual Mourinho trick, and managers haven't been back to the market and what else. And you know, he's not getting any younger. But then, by the same rule, you have to look at it on the other foot that he's not really done the business in four years. He's not. You know, we're not talking like a, a Brian Robson or a Stephen Gerrard here, who's who's dragging average mediocre teams, you know, to to trophies and whatnot. He's just kind of been dragged down with them so it's not a sign of a great player in my opinion but listen if Pogba wants to stay if he's happy to stay if he's a good influence around the dressing room and he's you know what wants to be here then then great you know he's, he's obviously a world-class player on his day but I think United are now in a position where if he does leave or does want to leave um, you know we're not going to feel the hit perhaps as we once might have done but you know you get the feeling it's a happy camp Um it's not maybe just my own personal opinion, but that you feel like they're on the brink or something. The only thing that I think could let them down is is if he's not backed properly in the transfer market this summer. But yeah, it, it looks like a good camp to be around. And Solskjaer's obviously been quick to get players out, and, and for once, um, the board have backed the manager when he has tried to get get these players out of the club. You know, whether the star names, whether the shirt sellers, whatever wages they're on, and whatever we have to still carry on paying. In the case of Sanchez and whatnot, but if you get them out of the door. 
get a happy camp, get more fighting on the pitch, you've got half a chance. It is happy. I mean, it's my job to know these things and write about these things. And most of the players are having the manager. They like him. They like what he's doing. They like training. Um, the optimism is not a false optimism. And the results are, are happening for, for a reason. And it would be good if the 13 games can be unbeaten can be 14 games. It should yeah. happen. Norwich Saturday. FA Cup six round. I know it's away from home, but... Norwich have been poor and United battered them, didn't they? Twice well, this I think, season. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd read that they've not scored in eight league games or something like that. It was, it was quite baffling, actually, because I was watching something this morning. I'm not particularly well up on Norwich, but there was something on Sky Sports News this morning saying that he'd rested his three best players last night. Um, so he's obviously prioritising trying to beat United, City and whoever else is in the cup ahead of getting the extra six or seven points they need to stay, stay in the Premier League, which I'm pretty sure his chairman won't be too happy about. So... Um, the only thing might be that Solskjaer might decide to freshen it up a little bit this weekend. Obviously, Norwich have got their three best players to come in. But listen, you'd be disappointed if you don't go to Norwich. I mean, we've probably put two in our two of our most comfortable wins this season have been against Norwich, haven't they? Um, you'd be you'd be very disappointed if we don't go there and make it three, um, and hopefully then then get into another semi final. But um, yeah, you you couldn't really have picked a better fixture, and, and obviously the form we're in, they don't score goals, we don't concede any, so. Yeah, it's got 1-0 Norwich written all over it, isn't it? <laughs> that, that'd be a massive surprise now, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Well, it's, it's the sort of game in the past that have been slip-ups, but like I said, we've got the players, we've got the players there, and even if he does rest a few, he's got the players on the bench to, to be able to bring on. You know, I don't want to keep sticking the boot into to certain individuals, but you know, managers can only do so much. It's about, it's about the 11 footballers who are on the pitch. And if you, if you can put out those 11 players you put out yesterday, week in, week out, you're going to have a far better chance than having to play the likes of, you know, I'm not even going to go through the names of people, but we all know the players that, you know, have been getting plenty of games over the last few years and, and not been, been at the level required. So if you don't have to keep playing them every week, you've, like I said, you've got a great chance. Who, Fernandes? <laughs> I'm talking more about I'm talking more about you know the you know who's you know your Pereiras your Lingards your Phil Joneses the usual you know the players who are always at the uh, the, the the wrong end of the stick when it comes to uh, the internet and stuff for United fans but you know there's some truth in it the, the players that obviously are not at the level required to to compete for trophies so um, the less you have to play them and you you replace them with top players and you've got a chance of uh, of doing well. Close to the end now. The team still left in the FA Cup apart from United and Norwich. Sheffield United, who play at home to Arsenal. Leicester are at home to Chelsea. And Newcastle United at home to Manchester City. So there's still Liverpool aren't in there, but there's still some tough teams in there. You'd, you'd, probably, well. you'd probably still fancy Arsenal, Chelsea and City when you to go through. So you know that there's probably going to be a, a big game in that semi-final. Um, and it's probably going to be a tough game. You'd probably be hoping for Arsenal at the minute. Um, the winners of that Arsenal Sheffield United game will probably be the most favourable draw. But listen, once you're into semi final, it's, it's going to be a weird territory as well, isn't it? You know, going all the way to Wembley for a semi final is bad enough. But one of the good things about that was so many fans could get tickets. But obviously, to go all the way to Wembley to play a game behind closed doors for a semi final seems pretty stupid. But. Um, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it because obviously we've got to get past past Norwich on, on Saturday. But, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to... Uh, and they're talking about the, the FA Cup final might be the first game with uh, with some fans let in, with some restrictions. So, you know, that'd be interesting to see how that one pans out. I spoke to Fergus Burke last week. I did a piece with four United fans who 
not missed games for years just to see how they felt about missing uh, the games with, with them being played behind closed doors and he said he booked a hotel in Norwich because it overlooks the pitch at Carrow Road just by by the side of the away end and not only did he book a room he booked three rooms to increase his chances of getting one with a, with a view of the pitch and he goes everywhere with his wife Nari and the two boys and the hotel in Norwich got back to him and said uh, the hotel's just being used for key workers and he said well, well I am a key worker and he is to be fair to him and then they kept coming back to him saying, well, why, why are you coming to Norwich if you're a key worker? So well, I'm, I'm a key worker. And then it started to come on top to the point that they cancelled his rooms and he reckons it might be because his email address, it was something like Red Cantonar M-U-F-C. Or <laughs> <laughs> so so got, as soon as they check the fixture list. Yeah, so they've got right on to him, but... I mean, it's absolutely potty, isn't it? What some of the some fans will go to. I mean, listen, I'm not in that position where I do go to every single game every week, so you know, it's probably hit them a lot harder than it did me. But I did hear one one sort of funny funny story that come from the club. I think last week where somebody had written to them telling them all about their um, the sort of length of service at Old Trafford and telling them how many games they've missed, and then put just basically put a line on it saying, "So the Sheffield United game, what are you going to do about it?" Well, I, I know the person. Who, I know the person who wrote the letter. It was <laughs> it was in my article. He's, he's called right. he's called um, uh, John from from Salford. Right. And he'd not missed a game since I think it was seven, 1979 at Old Trafford, and uh, he wrote to the club as you say and uh, explained his predicament and asked them what they were going to do about it. And they just said nothing and then just basically turned him down, which he expected, but he just said, look, I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my luck. And he'd, uh, he'd been to 1,126 consecutive Manchester United home matches. Even, even when his twins were born, he left Withenshaw Hospital to go to Old Trafford to watch a game and he said his wife wasn't too happy with him and then he said it's probably why she's my ex-wife which, which made me laugh he had a good humour about him I'm but sure he, United have been responsible for quite a few divorces over the years but John wrote to uh, United, Manchester United and he he offered to take a Covid test he offered to be the ball boy he, he, said, he said I'll even be Fred the Red and United replied under the current circumstances, <laughs> it is not something we can consider. <laughs> so, John, the diplomats. John said, uh, I've accepted, there's nothing I can do about it, but I'd like to go to Old Trafford and watch the game on my phone outside the stadium if the police allow it. I feel uh, I need to be there, but I know I can't be. I just want to see United and the sooner fans can watch games, the better. And I think that sentiment um, is, is something that a lot of people, well, everyone would agree with. And I also yeah, spoke we, this week we'll... to, to the landlord, sorry, of the Bishop Blaze, Ben, and he was hoping that pubs would open on the 4th of July, which they are now going to, and United were home that day. So maybe a sort of social scene will spring up around the game where people go and watch the games together. I'm not sure how the, the rules on social distancing are going to apply then because the situation is still changing. But there, there could be a point where fans can watch games together, if not in the stadium. Yeah, I mean, you don't hope so. Like you said, I mean, we're joking about it, but you do, you know, stories like that do make you realise that, you know, the, the great lengths football fans do go to get to see the teams and how sort of difficult it is for them not to be able to do certain games for things that are out of their, their hands, you know. And 
you know, should football have been restarted without it? It's another question for everybody, isn't it? But there's that much money involved in the game now. And, you know, when they've got millions of pounds to pay in wage bills every week and, and TV deals that are, you know, anchoring on things like this, then, then I don't think they really have much alternative. Um, like I said, it's just a shame, but we've all just got to try and grin and bear it. And, you know, the quicker people stick to the rules, then the quicker it'll all be over. But, you know, you, you, you sat there hoping that it's all going to be over soon, but there's also that that threat of that second wave again. So, you know, it's all a case of fingers crossed and see what happens. I, I can actually go to the games as, as a journalist and um, I think I'll be at the, the Bournemouth game, uh, the Villa away game. So I might try and do a podcast there. I'm just not sure who I'm going to speak to because you can't be by yourself. You can't like go around the ground speaking to fans like we normally do. There's not going to be any monkey buses running, is there, down, down there? <laughs> Um, well, do, do I do I count as a journalist? Self? If I take us to come on United, we stand articles in, am I? You know, I, mean, I pass all. I know you like you're laughing and asking on the off chance, but I have been asked probably about sixteen times. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm serious, and no, I can people imagine. like you know most of them. They're like, yeah, I'm just asking on the off chance, mate. <laughs> Steve, very off chance. Steve Black was one, was yeah. one of them. Jim in Sheffield, he was another one. I can there's, well there's, imagine. There's loads of them. But, and what they said was like, any chance of a spare journalist pass? And there isn't. <laughs> I might as well so, like, so you've got a load of them in your pocket? <laughs> I've got 30, right, but I want good money for them. <laughs> what actually happens is, to become accredited as a, as a journalist, you, you've got to cover 30 Premier League games in any one season. For a, a national, outlet. I think I've done that since Wednesday. From the preliminary <laughs> yeah. accounts, so yeah. you've got to write and have your work published, and you'd start off with a pass for the EFL, the Football League, and then when you get to writing about, it sounds like it's chicken and egg. This, but if you're writing enough about Premier League matches, so there's actually certain times each year where I will go to like. Brighton against Bournemouth just to do a match report, just so that I'm sure, staying yeah. within uh, the, the levels. And then what you've got to do, you've got to be accepted, and then you've got to get um, public liability insurance for £5 million uh, for each journalist. So it's pretty complicated. You've got to send off all your files through. Uh, they look through. through well, you, well, you know me, Andy. Work. I mean, you, you usually have to chase me up 10 minutes before you're about to print the <laughs> magazine, so there's not much chance of me doing any of these, mate. So, yeah, it looks like I'm stuck with Sky Sports, mate. I've got to speak to Ollie Gunner in the morning as part of the press conference ahead of the Norwich game. I'm half tempted to say to him, Ollie, clearly you watched the football last night. Um, did you think Southampton played well? <laughs> <laughs> but but <laughs> that's just going to get me in a load of shit, isn't it, if I ask him something like that? Just, just ignore that Liverpool won the title. Although Ollie Gunner was a Liverpool fan as a kid until he was about 14. He was indeed, yeah. There's a there's a few duff pictures knocking about him on the internet, aren't they? But uh, you, you know, you mentioned that earlier on, though. I mean, how many football fans, uh, uh, sorry, football players were supporting rival clubs? Obviously, Jamie Carragher was a huge Everton fan as well, wasn't yeah. he? Of course, when he was a kid. So um, Martin Tyler reminded him of that last night. I noticed on the, in their game. To be fair, but, Jamie. Uh, I, I think... Jamie went home and away with Everton because of his dad. No, he, I know. He yeah, he really did. He was he was at the FA Cup final against. United in '85, crying his eyes out. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because what do you do if you're him and Liverpool come in for you? I was really course, surprised yeah. a few years ago on United We Stand. I said to people, um, "Would any of you work for Manchester City?" And I said, "Absolutely not." And I was surprised at the number of people who said they would. 
Yeah. And I suppose it's just money or working in football or whatever. But I was really surprised. Yeah, I mean, I think it's different for players, isn't it? Obviously, from from a young age, you you're playing every Saturday. You probably don't ever get that same connection with a with a football club that we as footballs do, as football fans do. Sorry. Well, would you um, would so. you work for would you work for City in your job if they uh, give you forty percent pay rise starting on no, Monday? No, no, I don't think I could. No. Hundred no, percent pay rise. <laughs> so, I don't know, mate. I don't know. No, no, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna sound no I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound good on the podcast out about saying no, but uh, you can, I can't say yeah, yeah, can I? Now I've been sat there saying I've been swerving games anyway, and now I'm gonna go and work for Sitter. <laughs> what you're doing having him on a podcast for? So uh, no, I'm gonna say no. I couldn't work there. I'd like to thank you for your your time, John. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, and we'll be back with another podcast next week.